leaders. What keeps you up at night? Welcome to The Sweet Spot, the podcast series that expands the traditional term of what a boss is to tackle some of the most important issues in business. From business as usual and growing your market to everyday leadership issues or handling one in 100 year events, we aim to provide ongoing inspiration and education for CEOs, founders, management, shareholders and leaders of every stripe. The sweet spot is the future of work and business. Hi, I'm Laura Burns. Welcome to another episode of the Sweet Spot podcast, where I'll be speaking with Renee Benruby, a people and culture strategist and executive coach. In today's world, there are many buzzwords and phrases when it comes to leadership and corporate culture. Leadership is hugely diverse, and there is a global push for flexible work practices and an embrace of work-life balance. With so much conversation about leadership, Renee often tells people that now is the time to stop following the leader and to find the leader within yourself. Renee's focus is to help people know themselves in a better or different way so that they can have better skills and capacity to influence growth. Renee believes that only when you understand yourself and the way in which you work and manage people and situations can you influence others and affect change or guide teams towards a shared and company goal. Renee's career has been dedicated to the idea that with the right support, information and new perceptions, people and companies are capable of achieving greatness within while manifesting external success. Currently based in Los Angeles, Renee works with owners and leaders across the globe, equipping them with the tools to manage new and changing teams, navigate the startup and industry disruptor journey and handle significant issues that threaten a business's survival through to inspiring greatness. So welcome Renee. Your approach to executive coaching has been very much led by your own journey and experiences. Your career has taken you around the world, starting with the Friends World College in the 70s, to gaining a degree in political economy and creating your own coaching business. Tell us about your personal and career journey and how you have come to be an executive coach. That is a very big question. Um, I've had a very eclectic past. I've always chosen, it seems, experiences that were quite outside the box and not within the status quo. I elicited trying to find a school that I would be able to learn experientially versus sitting in classrooms because I always felt experiential learning worked best for me, which is what led me to Friends World College. Um, And the philosophy there was very much about being a global citizen. So at a very young age, my whole perspective was this concept of global citizenship and having a connection to a world that's much bigger than the ones we grew up in. Um, That led me in so many different directions. I ended up living on a sailboat. I ended up um, joining a commune. I ended up teaching the Hoffman process and bringing that to Australia. And I think all of those experiences, I think my path found me. And there are some of us, I think, that are gifted in being able to know what their purpose is or what their talents are at an earlier stage in life. And I was fortunate enough to be one of those people that my experiences took me into the field of personal development before there was such a field and coaching before there was something called coaching. And I fell into it. So everything I chose to follow in life actually led me to what my path was and what my purpose was and what my gifts were. Mm. And that own journey of yours would really help in your coaching sessions with those that you do coach as well. So how did your 
experience on the commune shape your worldview and how you do form relationships with people? It seems like quite an interesting part of your past. That was an amazing experience. And I think it was the origin of mindfulness and meditation for me because there was much meditation involved in our daily living. And one of the most beautiful aspects of it was everyone was there for a common purpose. And the common purpose was to wake up, if you will, to become enlightened, but to really step into something that's much larger than the identity we call us. So having a common path and having a common purpose alleviated, I suppose, any distractions. And so creating a city and building a commune was a joy. And everything, all your needs are taken care of so you can really focus on meditating and that practice of observing yourself rather than always being the doer. You know, I think that was where I really learned about collaboration and connection and the ability to really achieve what it is you set out to do if you have a clear intention. And you mentioned earlier the Hoffman process, which sort of kick-started your career in personal development and working with people. How did that come about and what does that involve? Um, at the time, I was living in Switzerland and my boyfriend at the time and I had both lost one of our parents. And it became very apparent since we were there for one of their passing that you could either relive your childhood or you could be present for that transition. And he had done the Hoffman process and then I did it and it really changed my perspective because what it does is it releases any anger or any blame you hold from your childhood experiences and helps you to really be able to focus on who you are today. And at that time, it was incredible because it had a lot of the a lot of the modalities that are being taught now, which is about compassion, forgiveness, um, releasing the past and really becoming present. So we conjured up an idea, a girlfriend of mine and I, who I had traveled back to the States and we were in Australia and decided we were going to bring the course to Australia. She actually was working on getting the people for the first course, and I was working on training for a few years in San Francisco with Bob Hoffman. I had become a supervising teacher and ended up training teachers in Australia so that we could have an independent organization in Australia. It was a seven-day residential program in one of the most beautiful places, Byron Bay, which has become a hotspot of a lot of different types of retreats and change. And yeah, it was a great experience, a great way to create an institute, train teachers, and that program is still ongoing today, which is great. That's wonderful, Renee. And I know through your own uh, coaching sessions, you you have had experiences where you've been brought in to coach various senior leaders within a corporate setting. And sometimes there'll always be one. There'll always be one that doesn't believe they need the help or guidance. How do you break down those barriers and connect with individuals regardless of their own views towards coaching and themselves? Well, I truly believe that being part of a great coach, you have to have listening. Um, The whole goal in working with anyone and being present with anyone is to create an us rather than a you and a me. So it's really creating the idea that we're sitting on the same side of the table, exploring something together about what's going to create an open window for you. I believe that everyone really sits within a very small viewfinder, and that's the window of life. 
through which they have their perceptions and their beliefs, and you can only see through that window. So when I work with someone who may be closed off, it's really listening for where that crack in the window is, where that opening is, and then being able to connect with them in that slice of openness to create a relationship. Because at the end of the day, it's all about connection and resonance and whether or not I can resonate with them and they can connect with me. I suppose that connection is the most important piece of that puzzle, isn't it? Um, What are some of the most common challenges that leaders have faced when you first started working with them? I think the hardest piece for execs to really dedicate themselves to is the willingness to give their own personal development time. So when I'm busy and I have a thousand things pulling at me, whether it be my own family, my kids, my teams, my business, the bottom line, to take the time out to be able to really connect with myself and explore myself seems like a very big ask. So the challenge is always creating the opportunity for that person to see the investment in themselves because it's an investment in yourself to be able to take the time to self-explore and really investigate what's going on in me that's creating the world the way it is for me. Speaking of an investment in yourself, it's it's something that a, a leader of a business can truly value too in terms of seeing that value in the team. So uh, toxic work environments can be hugely unproductive and pose numerous distractions, whereas a positive culture, as we all know, can improve productivity and retention. How important is company culture? It's so interesting to me because I think culture exists, period, full stop. It can exist as a default. It can exist deliberately. It could exist consciously. It could exist because we have agreements. You know, there are so many buzzwords these days between our purpose, our mission, our values, you know, and I think the goal is to get beyond the buzzwords and get really into the nitty gritty of deliberately asking the question, what kind of culture do I want to create? You know, culture has the definition of, you know, it's a result of our behaviors, our beliefs, our the way we interact with each other. At the end of the day, it's a vibration. It's a feeling state. And unless I'm clear what kind of feeling state, do I want to create an environment where people are excited to come to work, where people feel they can grow here, where people have challenges that they feel they can accomplish? You know, you have to start asking the questions of what do you want to create when you start your business? That's why I always think it's really funny about how cultural pieces come in maybe three, four years down the road, rather than when I start a business, I actually begin to ask myself those questions and set that up from the beginning. Toxic environments are deadly, deadly, because basically they distract your attention from creating the outcome the company is looking to achieve. And so, Renee, you've guided businesses through some quite significant issues, including industry regulator run-ins. How do you break down these issues for high-performing and stressed executive teams? And how do you guide teams and owners with skin in the game through such a high-stress event? Stress is one of the most limiting factors that everyone deals with. And I think today with what's gone on with the pandemic, we can all agree that stress is now a common experience for everyone. 
And when you have a team or you're working with execs that have really serious issues, the first thing I always look for is how do we create relief? There's got to be a way to create some relief because when you're in fight or flight, your options are extremely limited. You can only see very few options for yourself. When you can relax and widen back and create relief, all of a sudden there can be more possibilities and more options that you've been unable to see before. And, you know, one of the tools to get there is to be able to do some outcome visualization work where you actually could feel what would it be like if what I really want to have happen happened. What would that feeling be? And in experiencing that feeling, I open that window just a little bit so I can get more relief. And then in that relief, more options become apparent to me. You can't make good decisions when you're in a high stress situation. So ultimately, it's for everyone. How do we go back to some common centered place within ourselves to really be able to view something rather than create from reactivity? That's so true, Renee. And I know you've spoken before about a person's fixed viewpoint. And when you first start on that journey with someone, how do you guide them to understanding what their own fixed viewpoint is and how to achieve the resolution that they are seeking? The first thing you have to do is to be aware that you actually have a fixed viewpoint. So the goal is to increase someone's awareness around the fact that they do have a fixed viewpoint and to be able to understand the limitations that that fixed viewpoint creates. If I don't know that I'm in a fixed viewpoint, I can't see how I'm actually limiting myself. And, you know, so my goal is to really help them translate and understand so that they can look at the situation and look at themselves through a different viewfinder. And to that end, you know, some of the universal philosophy that I have is being able to work with mastering your feelings, mastering your attention, mastering your reactivity, and understanding your beliefs that create why you are where you are. And I guess looking at a team setting, what tools have you come to use when you're working with a group of people? How do you help them open up together? and establish better communication and understanding? That can be very challenging and also an incredible amount of fun. And I think that's the element that you have to apply is that it's a fun setting rather than, you know, we're trying to prove anyone right or wrong. So with a team, one of the first things that I think is really important is to create a common language. You know, the do we have a translation for what this word means to me? And can we come to a common agreement and aligned agreement as to what that word is going to mean for us in the context of the situation we're in. A great word that we had explored at one point in a place where I was working was agility. Agile, what does agile mean? Because there's so many different definitions to what agile actually means. And when you can clarify that and totally appreciating that everyone comes from a different viewpoint and everyone does have a different translation of that, We can then throw that out there and then come up with an agreement as to what are we going to operate through and what does that mean to us. So basically, when you're working with teams, for me, it's creating a common language, creating a connection, and definitely appreciating different viewpoints because that's fundamental to creating a psychologically safe environment where people have to feel safe to express themselves. If you don't feel safe to express yourself, you can't really create a high-functioning team. 
And when you get past all those stages, the fun increases and people really enjoy working together and people have great connections and the collaboration just goes through the charts. Engagement, connection and collaboration, that, that those are such huge parts of forming such a, a, a dynamic team, isn't it? And I suppose you've, you've had experiences working with businesses globally, big teams, executive leadership teams. Have you found through your coaching career that a lot of these people have, that you have coached in a corporate setting have come back to you again later in life for, I guess, more reflections and self-improvement? Definitely. I have people who I worked with maybe 20 years ago that I still do sessions for, whether it's occasional, whether it's consistent. You know, people, it's like a tune-up. You know, I, I was always always amazed how we went to school for studying the sciences and studying literature and studying the arts, but we never studied ourselves. And we never studied, you know, what makes us up and how we have these filters in life and how our filters affect our perceptions and how our our perceptions affect what we experience. And it's always been an amazement to me that we've studied everything except ourselves. So, yeah, I would say the answer to that is yes, people come back for a tune-up or a tweak or, you know, they want to continue going deeper into their exploration. I love that, coming back for a tune-up. We all need that sometimes, I suppose. <laughs> and I guess Definitely. anything we've learned through the pandemic especially is that some of us may have just switched on to autopilot. You know, it's been one of those years where it's fight or flight. Um, and I guess for any owner or business leader out there who's feeling a little bit stuck, wanting to get to that next stage or uh, release some really good success for them, their team and their business, what is the first step that they can take to empower themselves and their team? Well, I think first they would have to have the awareness that they were stuck. You know, I think you brought up a great point that we're on autopilot. You know, I think in times of stress and fear, we slip into that autopilot habitual response. So we may not even realize we're stuck. We may not even realize that if I had a different approach, I could have a different result. So I think the first piece of it is to recognize you are stuck and then to be able to seek the support that you need to get yourself unstuck. And I forgot what I heard the other day, but it was fantastic. It's like uh, I was listening to this neuroscientist speak and he said, look, he said, let's face it, everybody needs help. You know, and, you know, at a time there was a shame around that. I think that's when coaching first started coming out and personal development work started coming out and it all was looked at as narcissistic and all the rest of it, rather than, you know, we all need help to really understand how we are, where we are and how we can move forward and how we can get the best out of our lives. So, you know, I really think it's a matter of being able to say, I'm aware I'm stuck. What tools could I use Who could I access to help me and support me through this period? And how can I really take advantage of There are great tools out there. There are great resources out there, whether you start down the road of meditation, whether you say, I want to coach, whether you want to take a training. There are lots of different options available to people to be able to get unstuck. Yeah, and as you say, I suppose it's coming to that realisation that you are stuck, but also thinking about what is the end game or what is the goal that I'm trying to achieve here. So my last question for you, Renee, is that um, at Alexander PR, we do talk a lot about the future of work. um, And we've been asking a lot of our podcast guests about their take on it. What what do you see as a key aspect of the future of work and what needs to be done to get there? That is a huge question. 
And, you know, what I've been aware of lately is how everyone is so engaged with social media and everyone is so engaged with what's happening in the world today. You know, I I look at, you know, New Zealand, having lived there for three years and talking to friends that are still there, New Zealanders are in a bubble separate from what's going on in the rest of the world in the way that in L.A. it's masks all the time, everything's locked down in New Zealand, it isn't. Yet everyone's experiencing stress because as multicultural as New Zealand is, everybody has family or friends in other parts of the world. So we're all connected on this level together. And so what we feel collectively is this uncertainty and unknown and unpredictability of what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and the effect it's going to have. So the first piece for me is always being able to say, am I personally grounded within myself? Do I personally have a center within myself that when chaos is happening around me, I have a spot I could call home? And if you have a grounded place within yourself, you have different abilities to handle whatever is thrown at you and how you deal with that becomes incredibly important. Because one of the things we know is the reactivity we have does not benefit myself or anyone else. So going forward, I think companies are going to have to recognize that people are feeling a lot of different things right now. And so it's essential to provide time to connect, to really take the time to know how my teams are doing, to get personal. You know, it's very funny, like, you know, we all go to work and we think that's the job and we're doing it and we're done, but it's a place where most people spend most of their lives. And if we don't connect, and then also with remote work, it becomes different to be able to connect because we can't be in person. So it's looking at ways to connect where we can have that feel with each other rather than feel we're getting more and more removed because we're having a digital experience. I also think that we're going to have to look at really the power of teams rather than the old hierarchical structures that we've created over time. And we're going to have to really focus on greater collaboration. And in order to have greater collaboration, you have to have better connection. And in order to have better connection, you have to have better communication. So I know this doesn't answer the ills of the world at the moment, But it definitely gives people a starting place within themselves to look at how they can really hold their own during these times that are highly stressful. It's so true, Renee. And I say this because I work in communications, but it it just boils down to good communication at every point of life and where you're at in your career, doesn't it? Um, Thank you so much, Renee. That is just so hugely valuable. And I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. For those that have been listening today and have really connected with this conversation and I guess have come to that realisation that perhaps they do need to engage with a coach or unlock some different tools to help them reach the success that they want to reach, how can business owners and leaders find you if they'd like to tap into your hugely powerful skill set of building successful teams and leaders? They can reach me through my LinkedIn profile or they can email me directly at renee.benruby at gmail.com. Thank you, Renee. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. It's always great to talk to you and great to connect with APR. It's a great, great publicity company that I have enjoyed meeting and working with. So thank you so much. 
We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please like, review or share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you'd like to follow us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn under Alexander PR or follow the links in the show notes below. Until next time, thank you for listening.